going to read a few verses from Paul's first letter to uh, the Thessalonians. So that's 1 Thessalonians, if you want to follow it. <laughs> 1 Thessalonians. going to read from verse 12 of, of chapter 5. So that's 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12, to the end of the chapter. This is, this is God's word. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other, we urge you, brothers. Warn those who are idle. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put the, spirit, the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, lest test everything. Hold to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. May, the God of, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord, to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. In our, in our growth group, we've been studying this, this letter, um, this first letter Paul wrote to the Thessalonians. And in, a, in, a, in the study book we have that, that that goes with our study, the, the book asks this question, which we would have been studying this last Tuesday, had, but our, uh, obviously our um, prayer meeting, uh, Bible study was cancelled. But the book asks this question, how each of these elements, how each of these elements, prayer, praise, and God's word, are important to the worship ministry of the church? How each of these three elements, prayer, praise, and God's word, are important to the worship ministry of the local church. Now this question was occupying my mind, ready for going to the Bible study on, on, on Tuesday, and then, of course, it was cancelled. And so it was, it was buzzing around in my head when Kevin phones, I didn't know this was going to happen, um, and asked, could I speak this morning? Obviously, this is due to the sad affliction that's visited uh, Gemma and Jonathan. So I thought, well, as I've been thinking about this, perhaps we should pursue it and ha have a look at what the answer to, uh, to the question is, if I can. Now, I realise we can only scratch the surface, and I've only had a few days to think about this, but it's a wonderful subject, and I'm sure um, uh, God will bless us um, as we do look into this. Get in. Getting these things right and getting them in right proportion, 
I think underlies some of the, the part of the question, because um, they're vital issues. Uh, but there are churches, sad to say, that emphasise one or the other or neglect one or the other and do so, of course, to the detriment of, of true, true worship. So as we look at them one by one, we, we have to do this just to get our head around it, as it were. We need to remember that they're all together. They are integral parts of our worship when we come before God. They belong together. We don't actually separate them, even though we look at them. So my text is verses 17 to 22. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything, hold to the good, and avoid every kind of evil. So when we, we come to look at prayer, praise, and God's word, I'm not, 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 not that I'm interested, but my purpose is not to think about technically, if you like, how we go about these things, but, but what's really involved. Uh, we're talking now about our hearts, because we're talking about worship, worship of the living God. And so it, it's important to, 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 to have that in our minds. There's a, there's a really old hymn. It's, oh, I've never seen it in, in another book, apart from... The, 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 I think it's Joseph Hart who wrote the hymn and he's got his own hymn book that's where I found it and, it, and it, the first verse goes like this let us ask the important question brethren do not be too secure what is it to be a Christian how may we our hearts assure vain is all our best devotion if on false foundations built True religions, more than notion, something must be known and felt. It's a heart matter. Prayer is a heart matter. Praise is a heart matter. The word of God is a heart matter. So Jesus is interested in our hearts. Our father, it says uh, in one of the Proverbs, Solomon says, my son, give me your heart. It's your, it's your heart that, that the saviour wants. And so we'll go through them. It'll have to be brief, but um, may God bless us as we do. Prayer, as we come to prayer, prayer actually ushers us into the very presence of God. It's the, prayer is at the very heart, the very beginning, the start of our Christian life. It's vital for salvation. I can invite any of you this morning we have the authority to do this in the word of God. I can invite any of you to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you do it, you will be saved. Paul says to the church at Rome in chapter 10 of his letter, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So it's straightforward. Call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. The Bible never tells us that anyone will be saved without asking to be and it might sound straightforward, but it's, it's so important. It's not that prayer saves, Jesus saves, but nobody's saved without prayer. Nobody can do your eating for you or your drinking for you or your sleeping for you. You have to do it for yourself. So nobody can come to Christ for you. Nobody can pray for you. You have to pray yourself. You must call on the name of the Lord. 
It's a good example of this. When You remember when Paul met the Lord on the road to Damascus and the very sight of our Saviour sent him blind? The Lord then sent Ananias to, to restore um, Paul's, Paul's sight. And, and obviously Ananias was a bit anxious. <laughs> this chap's been going around hauling people off to prison. Um, the Lord says to assure Ananias that everything's okay and that this, this man, Saul, who became Paul, is now a true believer. He says, he is praying. And then when God says someone's praying, then he's praying. And so Ananias can be sure that everything is fine. So just as we start our Christian life with prayer, that's how we continue. And that's particularly important when we come to worship. We need to surround our worship, uh, the whole day as it were, and we're thinking of Sunday, uh, with prayer. Many people have written, you can, many people have said, prayer is the most important subject in living a Christian life. Someone else said, I read this somewhere, someone said, let's pray for the work. Someone else said, prayer is the work. Prayer is the work. This is, this is the, the fundamental uh, uh, business we're about. If you think of it like this, all our needs, all that we need, all that we need in our lives as individuals, all that we need when we come to worship is in Christ. And all of our needs there are there for the asking. For the asking. They're all there for the, for the asking. Remember James wrote that some of some people, he said, you do not have because you do not ask. So we need to spend time in prayer, both for ourselves, each individual, and for one another as a church family before we come together. We need almost as it were to surround the Lord's Day with prayer. We need to, to be aware of our, our real need as we, as we sang in the hymn. All those things that the hymn, that last hymn listed uh, need to be on our mind as, as we seek to come before our God. We need, as it was, think, to, to wrap the day in prayer. Because it, it's even more apparent, and, and, and well, that's the way I see it, to us as we assemble for worship. To, to be acceptable uh, to our, our Father and our Saviour. We are to pray, for instance, that all the scriptures are absolutely full of promises. And promises about how we are accepted and when we are accepted when we come before our Father to worship. We need to pray that all these promises will, will be um, fulfilled. And it should be our, it should be our expectation. Our, our, we, we, sh we should expect them to be fulfilled. Having prayed that we're coming to worship God uh, when we meet together and ask him to fulfill his gracious promises to us so we should expect him to be fulfilled because it's, it's those who believe that receive uh, the, the promises. And so that is, is the way to come together. We'd be like David, if you like. I wrote this down. David said when he was going to worship, I was glad. So were you glad this morning when you woke up and you saw it's the Lord's Day? David said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And when he is in the house of the Lord, that's, that's part, of, uh, part of Psalm, um, I did write it down, I'm, I'm, I'm not very good at remembering places. 
It's Psalm 122. Part of Psalm 102. When he gets to the house of the Lord, we read this. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek you good. Do you, is, this your, is this your heart's desire when you come to meet to worship? The good of, your, uh, good of one another, good of God's work uh, here in, in this place. There's turmoil out there, isn't there? That The world is in absolute chaos. Like many of that we haven't seen. <laughs> Previous generations, no doubt, uh, have done. But it, it is chaos out there. And when we come to worship, to meet, we come to meet with our God through our Lord Jesus Christ by the power of God's Spirit. It's then that we can find peace. There's peace, prayed, peace within your walls. There's peace when we come uh, to meet with God. Chiefly, there's peace because when we do come to meet, the Lord Jesus is here, and he is the Prince of Peace, and he is here, and he himself said, when two or three are gathered in my name, I'm among them. I like to think of it like this. I like to get here early. It's, it's a bit selfish. I like to be able to park and not have to walk up, up that hill with my heart condition. So I prefer to be on a, on a, on a level ground. But usually, um, I, I'm not the first here by, by any means. But if you think, I think of it like this. When, when the third person walks through the door, Jesus is already here. Because he said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm in the midst. So when number three comes in, the two that are already there have the Saviour with them. It's, it's, it's an amazing thought. Jesus is actually here. And we, therefore, must bow and worship and, and, and give and be absolutely amazed. You think of it, I think of it, when the disciples were, <coughs> were locked away for fear of the Jews on that first Easter morning, um, Jesus came and stood amongst them. And, and he said, and the first thing he said, he said was, peace be with you. So when we come in, Jesus is here, and he, he will indeed bring his peace, the peace of the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ with us. So when we come, we, 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 in that sense, we, we can come, as it were, comfortably. We come to let our Father know our needs, our aspirations, if you like, our desire to experience the power of his resurrection, true, enjoy true communion with, with our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, actual, our actual fellowship. John said in, in his first letter, uh, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, and that's what we enjoy when we come uh, to worship. So that means, as I said, that's why I think we, we, are, we need to prepare for worship. It should be the longing of our hearts. Wake up, it's Sunday morning. We can actually go and meet with the Lord Jesus and all those who love him and know his presence with us. We can be like John said on, on the, when he was on the Isle of Patmos, we can be in the Spirit on the Lord's day. That's what the Saviour looks for. That's what our heavenly father looks for and so as jesus said when he met the samaritan woman at the well you remember the hour is coming and is now here where true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth 
for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. It's, it's amazing to think. I say that the Lord Jesus is here when we arrive, as is the Father, and the Father is looking for people to worship. That's what he says, the Father is seeking such people to worship him. He's actually waiting. He wants your worship. He desires the, the admiration uh, of, of your heart for, for him. He is God alone. This, 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 so this is the importance of prayer that should surround the day, that should be on our minds from word go, if you like, and should be uh, with us and in our thoughts and minds as we meet for worship. Prayer is absolutely fundamental. Our thoughts and our, our aspirations before our Heavenly Father. The second uh, thing um, Paul speaks of, he says, pray continually. He says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Giving thanks, praise. We, it's, this, this is the second thing that praise. Now, the, the first and foremost thing should be in our minds when we praise is for God, for who he is. He, he, God is, as we have been seeing, the creator of everything. Nothing's ever been made without him, so we are his creation. We should come before him to praise him for who he is. When we come together, we should give the glory that's due to his name for, what, for his person. There's so many other things we should say, I hope, as we look, but, but we praise God for who he is. He is, he is the almighty God creator of everything the whole of heaven worships him the myriads of angels they bow down before him we come to join in the worship of god and we worship for him for his very person but we have to re we remember when we do that we only have access into his holy presence through the blood of our lord jesus christ through the, his shed blood on the cross so when we come to praise, we come to praise our Father through our Saviour for his grace and his love to us. And having prayed, as I said, if we have, having prayed even before we arrived here, that we would be, be granted to be able to meet with our God and our Saviour, when he does meet with us, and I trust he's met with you, in the singing of the hymns, in the prayers that you've been offering up, in the thoughts of your heart, then this in itself is a great cause for praise. He's fulfilled his word. He said he would meet with us, and he has met with us. So this, this should cause praise to rise in our hearts. There's an, there's, in Psalm 34, David writes this, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. It's when God hears our prayers, it Builds us up, actually, as it, as it were, in our praise to Him. He, it fires our hearts up to, to praise Him. There's a whole list of things we could, if, and if there was time, we, we would spend, we could spend time on each one, as it were. But there's a good list in Psalm 145. Again, it's David speaking, and he speaks about how he praises God. He says, "I will extol you, my King, my God, and bless your name forever and ever." Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. 
One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty. That's God himself. The glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. And that's what we've been doing. We've been singing our songs. We've been telling how great God is. We have been making melody in our hearts to the Lord, as, as um, Paul puts it. And then when, when Kevin said, uh, as the children went out, uh, how, how privileged we are, I was thinking how privileged we are that there are children, another generation, because this, this is what struck David when he was speaking about the praising his God. He said, one generation will commend your works to another, which is what we hope to do as the children go out. We, we need to commend, we are privileged to be able to commend to them the Lord Jesus Christ and his work and his salvation. That, that's the, and and it's, it's, it's wonderful to see them go and, and we pray that the teachers uh, will be able to uh, open their minds to see the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's, one of my favourite Psalms is, is Psalm 27, where again it's David, and, he's, and, he's, and he's, David is a, a very single-minded man. Uh, to be the sort of commander he was, sort of warrior he was, the sort of ruler he was, you need to be single-minded. And he says, he said, one thing, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after. I may dwell in the house of the Lord, as we do, and inquire of the Lord. And then he says, to behold the beauty of the Lord. And we pray that the teachers will be able to, to point to the beauty of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, to these young ones and that they might come to worship, to love and to praise and adore him. So one generation uh, can command the work, commend the works of God to another and we give thanks for that. There's another wonderful aspect of our work together and that's when we praise the Lord here on earth as we do. There's only, I don't know, I'm not, not going to be good at trying to calculate how many here. There's only a few of us, really, when you think of the size of the population of the world. But if you think of it like this, when we meet here to worship, we join in a very, very in a real sense, what the old creeds and confessions used to say, the communion of saints. We meet with all God's people. We meet with all God's people on earth in that sense, and we meet with, amazingly, all God's people in heaven. Uh, and we read of this of heavenly worship. Day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And they sing a new song, saying, Worthy are you, for you were slain, and by your blood you have ransomed the people of God from every tribe, every language, every people and every nation. So not only is our Lord Jesus with us in our worship, but we join with this vast multitude that no one can number, saints in heaven and earth. And we know this is true because God tells us this is true. If you read in Hebrews chapter 12, when we come to worship, the writer says, you have come to Mount Zion, 
and to the heavenly Jerusalem and to an innumerable company of angels in joyful assembly and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of righteous men made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. This, no, you can see why David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord, because our meeting is with all of God's people. Who, and you say, who wouldn't want, like David, uh, if you're a believer, to join this mighty throng? I was, when I wrote that down, I was thinking, the, the, the biggest congregation I've ever been in personally, actually present, was at Willow Creek in America, where there were thousands assembled to hear God's word. And it was amazing to be with so many people. But think of it, what it would be like to be with the, the vast multitude that is in heaven, uh, a number that no one, no man can number anyway. We know G Jesus, our, our Saviour, knows the number. Imagine what it would be like uh, uh, to be with that number in heaven. And we love the Lord Jesus, don't we? Even though we haven't seen him. Imagine our praise when we actually see him in person. Not only will we have this vast multitude, but we'll have the Saviour's presence with us in person. That's worship to look forward to, isn't it? That's, that's the pinnacle, if you like, of our worship. And the third thing Paul draws our attention to is the word of God. And that question that the, the book we're studying asks, what, what's the importance to... to worship services in the local church prayer praise and now we come to the word of god and and, and he says do not put out the spirit's fire do not treat prophecies with contempt test everything now this is the way i think of it so far we've been considering our voices heavenward in prayer and praise which is a clearly an integral part of worship but now we come to something even more amazing i always think because now we come to heaven's voice to us because we come to the word of god this is the word of god we come to the word of god when we meet for worship the word of god the scriptures have to be absolutely central because it's the lord that speaks to us we we say with assurance so can't we that it's the Spirit of God who inspires our prayers. There's, there's an old hymn that says that the Spirit is the inspirer and the hearer of our prayers. He inspires our prayers and he takes them up before the Father in glory. Also, he inspires our thanksgiving. He fills our hearts with praise. But this, the Bible tells us, he actually inspired this word. He breathed it out. God actually breathed out the scriptures. Uh, so what Paul said to Timothy, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That's how we're equipped to worship, by the word of God. So we, we pray before we come and when we come. We praise in God's presence, and he will equip us for this as we look into his word. So however we come, um, 
when we come to this word, it's, it's, in, it's, it's, it's significant, surely, that Paul brings a word of warning. We've come, there's a sense in which we have to take the word of God really seriously. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. He says, why? Because that puts out the Spirit's fire. You will never pray properly, you will never praise properly if you show contempt for God's word. It's the most serious matter uh, to, to come under the sound of God's word. When the Lord speaks, we are to pay attention as we come under the sound of the word of God. James, James says this, he says, everyone should be quick to listen. We should be quick to listen. If you're anything like me, you can be quick to speak. Um, and you can be quick to speak your own opinion, as I so often am, but we need to listen to God, to God's, to our Father's opinion. The writer to the Hebrews says, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing of the soul and spirit. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our hearts. Nothing, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him with whom we must give an account. So as we assemble for worship, God sees our hearts and he knows our thoughts. He looks at our attitudes and he sees the minds, what we're thinking. They're all open to him now as we assemble. If we say Jesus is here, he was here when we came here, ready for us. He's heard our prayers and our praises, and he now looks at our hearts. How do we, we receive, receive what he has to say? The word of God, when it's faithfully spoken, it is God who speaks. The Lord said this to Jeremiah, let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. What a straw in common with wheat declares the Lord. It's not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. The state of your heart as you come before the Lord is known to him completely. And the preaching of God's word will show that to you. If you're prepared to listen, he will point out to us each in our hearts, uh, his knowledge of our, of our affections, uh, our thoughts and our attitude to him. That's why I'm sure um, Paul prefaces this little section of these two or three verses with verse 12. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labour among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Esteem them very highly for love because of their work. When we hear what the Lord has to say about our lifestyle, our responsibility, as Paul writes here in these um, verses, is to hold what is good and avoid every kind of evil. There has to be a change, there has to be an effect uh, as we listen to God's word. And we can, we can see this also when, when Paul writes again to Rome in, in his 12th chapter of his letter. It says, then our lives will be transformed. Uh, as they're renewed, as our minds are renewed, and that by testing we may be able to determine the will of God. 
and then do what is good and acceptable and perfect. There has to be this, this, this paying attention to God's word and there has to be um, acknowledging. There's a, a verse comes to mind when, when um, James uh, is, is dealing with, with some of the difficulties in, in the church that he writes to and he, and he says um, uh, we should submit ourselves to God he says we should um, resist the devil and he'll flee from us. And then he comes up with this wonderful promise that if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us, which I trust we've done this morning. We actually draw near to God. He says some, he says some cutting words, some really um, words that go to the heart. He says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Let your laughter be turned to joy and your... Um, Sorry, let your laugh, laugh, laughter be turned to gloom and your, and your joy to, uh, to gloom. Uh, it, we need to remember that we are sinners. And then he finishes this little section, James, with humble yourself before the Lord. We need to acknowledge what we are because the Saviour has done everything to deal with it. Absolutely everything. It doesn't, James doesn't say this to get us down or to make us depressed. He, he tells us, to, as it were, as Peter says, roll it all, all your care over unto him. He's dealt with everything. He's dealt with every sin that may blacken your um, um, conscience, as it were, when you come for worship. That can all be dealt with, but it needs to be dealt with. And, and we, um, when it is dealt with, then we can, one of, one of the sermons I read of, of um, Jonathan Edwards, a, a preacher God used in tremendous revival in, in America, which says when this takes place, we can then offer a cheerful, lively, spiritual obedience. God doesn't want a gloomy obedience. He wants a cheerful, lively obedience. And so we need to be everything to be dealt with. And finally, I have to move on, don't I? Finally, always the preach word is to lead us to the living word, which is our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the objective of, of the word of God. Jesus, and Jesus, he is the centre of our praise. His is the sacrificial offering on the cross that allows us entry into the most holy place, the presence of our Father through the Holy Spirit. It is Jesus, it's Jesus that we come to. It's Jesus who's the mediator of the new covenant. It's Jesus who shed his blood. It's Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life. It's Jesus who suffered and died in our place. It's Jesus who is our saviour and has fulfilled all that needs to be done for us to come and worship. There's an old, another old hymn that says, In your hearts enthrone him. Will you enthrone the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart? Whenever we come particularly to gather together as we are now for worship and glorify our Father in heaven. We praise, we pray, we praise and we hear God's word. And Paul says when he's writing about these things again to Rome, I think it's chapter 12 of his letter, something like that. Uh, things are then all done fittingly and in an orderly way. And when this takes place, I'll finish with this. When this takes place, um, then verse, verse 16 will be fulfilled. We'll be joyful always. The objective is joy in the Lord. 
Because when we glorify God in our worship, we enjoy him. It's one of the old, the old confessions, the Westminster Confession. I think the Baptist Confession says a similar thing. Um, Catechism, rather, says a similar thing. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And that's what we come together to do. And so I thought we'll finish with singing. If you're standing, we'll sing number uh, 366, Jesus is King. Jesus is the centre. Jesus is the King. Jesus is the centre of our worship. Uh, and when, uh, if you stay standing, we'll, I'll, we'll use Paul's benediction uh, in this same passage, which is um, before us. So we'll stand and sing. <laughs>